0: This is the hour of doom
1: and bloom.
0: That's right, friends and neighbors. Welcome to Doom and Bloom survival medicine podcast, a fortress of fortitude in an unfortunate world. I'm Joe Alton, MD, that old Dr. Bones, co-founder of the survival medicine website, doomandbloom.net, where you'll find over 1,200 articles, podcasts, and videos on medical preparedness.
1: And I'm Amy Alton. I'm a certified nurse midwife and an advanced registered nurse practitioner
0: that's right and purveyor of quality medical kits someone of a kind at store.doomandbloom.net not to mention the hostess with the mostess she's so sweet she owns a timeshare in Candyland. (laughs) (laughs) on this show you're going to get the conventional wisdom and some unconventional wisdom whatever it takes to get your family medically prepared for tough times but before we start listen to this
1: of course all information and opinions voiced on the survival medicine podcast are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. We strongly urge our audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available.
0: That's right. Move along. Nothing to see here. <laughs> but what happens in a disaster when someone in your family is sick, injured? Are you ready to step in and take over if the ambulance is heading in the other direction? Well, you could be if you'd let us help you along the road to preparedness. Well, a lot of you might be wondering what we... Been doing, and why we took a hiatus from our podcasts and videos—it's because I had pneumonia, and recovery for me has been slow going. I have acid reflux, and it's not just heartburn; it goes all the way up to my throat—a condition called laryngopharyngeal reflux. Laryngo means the voice box and pharyngeal is all about the throat. So one night I woke up coughing and gagging on a lot of acid that went all the way up and then entered my airways. By the morning, I had a temperature of a hundred, scarier than that. I had bloody phlegm. That's bad. And x-rays at the ER showed pneumonia in multiple areas of the right lung. And after antibiotics and oral steroids, I have improved despite being exhausted for more than a month. Gosh, almost two months. Right. Uh, I'm finally getting my energy back and keeping to a very low acid diet, which actually has helped quite a bit. So I guess it would be appropriate to talk about pneumonia today and what you would do off the grid if you were confronted with somebody who had it. Pneumonia is defined as an inflammation of the lung. Now, usually it's not caused by acid from the stomach, a condition called aspiration pneumonia, but it's caused by an infection with a bacteria or a virus. Now, occasionally fungi or parasites can actually give rise to it. It's a really very general term. It doesn't identify the specific microbe that's involved. Your lungs are part of the respiratory system, the part of the body that controls breathing. Inhaling fresh air brings oxygen to tiny air sacs in the lungs called alveoli. Little blood vessels in the alveoli absorb oxygen from inhaled air and remove waste gases like carbon dioxide during exhalation. This vital process of oxygen in, carbon dioxide out is called gas exchange, and anything that interferes with it can become life-threatening. In pneumonia, the alveoli fill with pus in infections or inflammatory fluid preventing the proper absorption of oxygen. Milder cases of pneumonia may affect just a small section of the lung, but severe cases may affect the entirety of both lungs, what was once called double pneumonia, something we saw actually in a lot of the worst cases of COVID-19. Killed a lot of people. Statistics show that there are 1.5 million ER visitors that receive the diagnosis of pneumonia every year in the United States, and that's before COVID. Most of these cases are in the elderly, the very young, and those with a poor immune systems. With COVID-19, it affected older people people the most, me. Well, my test came back negative, as did tests for influenza, which along with the timing of that acid regurgitation I had that night, makes the medical pros think it was a chemical burn due to aspiration more than an infection. Pneumonia may be primary, that is an occurrence in and of itself, that occurs happens to an otherwise healthy person or it could be secondary in response to a weakened system due to other infections or even things like heart disease, asthma, diabetes, uh, COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease and heavy smokers, cancer, or even just old age. What you can expect to see in someone with pneumonia is coughing that produces mucus, sometimes with bloody streaks, that was me, fever and chills, I had a low-grade temperature of up to 100, uh, fast breathing, no, Fast heart rate, I had that uh, for several days, up to 110 one day. Still, sometimes I hit the 90s. Uh, shortness of breath, not really too much of that. Chest pain, not, I really didn't have that. Exhaustion, definitely. Muscle aches, um, maybe some, not much. Uh, loss of appetite, also some, I guess. People with the worst cases may turn actually blue around the mouth or fingertips due to lack of oxygen. That's a condition known as cyanosis. Cyanosis is a sign the body isn't able to transport enough oxygen to the tissues. That's a bad sign. If you have somebody in normal times that has blue around the lips or mouth, fingertips, that that person should see the doctor should go to the emergency room. When You listen to the lungs using a stethoscope. An area with pneumonia often sounds as if somebody was crumpling a piece of paper next to your ear, sort of like this. It might sound like a fine crackling or it could even sound like a bubbling sound because of fluid filling up your alveoli, right, as we mentioned before. Many microbes can cause pneumonia, so it may take a while to figure out what the offending organism is and really give the right... Treatment for whatever the problem is that you're having, even in normal times, and with modern technology. As a matter of fact, it took 42 days for me to get back a test for tuberculosis, which was a definite possibility for me, as I spent all of it, 1980 taking care of Cuban refugees during the Mariel boatlift from Cuba, and a lot of them were very, very sick. I turned positive for tuberculosis on the skin test that year. And it's a disease that can lie dormant for decades before activating and causing real damage to the lungs and elsewhere. When treating pneumonia, antibiotics are commonly prescribed, but it's important to know that antibiotics only work for bacterial infections, something I've said many times. That's not uncommon at all, however, in some populations. So antibiotics are often used, for example, like they gave me. Old folks like me will usually get antibiotics and maybe even young people in some other situations. I was given metronidazole and levofloxacin, both drugs that also come in fish form and things I've written about before that preparedness folks use as veterinary equivalents. the The choice depends on the microbe involved and the available drugs. Other oral drugs that may help are some that I've also talked about on this channel: amoxicillin, doxycycline, azithromycin, cephalexin, clindamycin. All of these drugs are effective against different types of pneumonia. And it's true that some of these drugs do have risks and side effects, some of them quite severe. So you have to know that when I, believe me, I knew I was on this stuff. I just felt different. I had diarrhea, all sorts of stuff. But I, if I didn't take them, it's possible I could have had a bacteria slip in and kill me. So this is why I'm always talking about fish antibiotics, the importance of having this stuff in your survival medicine cabinet, if you're going to be the medic. Occasionally, the organism that causes pneumonia may be a fungus Now, one example of this is coccidiomycosis, And that's also known in the American Southwest as valley fever If you live in areas like Arizona, you actually could get a fungal infection Some symptoms include a persistent cough, fever, headaches, fatigue, and shortness of breath The treatment most often used is the oral antifungal agent fluconazole Last time I looked, there were still some antifungals available in veterinary form. The flu hasn't been in the news much since COVID, but in cases of influenza, antiviral medications such as Tamiflu, Relenza, or Zofluza will shorten the course of the infection if taken in the first 48 hours after symptoms appear. After the first 48 hours, there's less medicinal effect that's noted. These drugs are not known to be effective against immu- uh, pneumonia caused by other viruses, however, other than influenza viruses. Other treatments involve alleviating the symptoms, Tylenol for fever, for example, and uh, Mucinex or guaifenesin for chest congestion cough suppressants well they may be recommended by some but they're not always helpful coughing helps remove thick mucus and shouldn't be suppressed really unless it's so severe that breathing is difficult or causes vomit or prevent vomiting or prevents sleep i will say from personal experience the better hydrated i am the better i feel so push fluids warm beverages humidifiers steam inhalation these things can all help bring up mucus get plenty of rest and for goodness sake don't smoke some use albuterol or other inhalers to open up air passages that let the phlegm come out. It's probable I wouldn't have gotten sick if it wasn't for my acid indigestion, so I want to talk a little bit about that. In survival, any burning pain or discomfort due to acid inflammation is hard to ignore and will decrease work efficiency. Therefore, the medic has to make an accurate diagnosis and treat to get the group member back to normal. Pain originating from stomach acid that can travel up the esophagus. I mentioned that uh, before. If it goes to the chest, it's often described as heartburn because it ends up in the area of the heart. The uh, medical term for that is gastroesophageal reflux disease, or GERD. You may not think it's a big deal. If so, well, you probably have never had it. It can certainly make you less productive, and that it decreases the entire group's chances for survival. GERD often occurs as a result of weakness in a special valve that's formed by a ring of muscle, Called the lower esophageal sphincter. That is located at the entrance to the stomach from the esophagus, from the tube that goes uh, down to the stomach and closes as soon as food passes through it. Now, of course, sometimes there's a defect in it, and that allows acid to travel up the esophagus and cause a burning sensation. This relaxation at that border between the stomach and esophagus is known as a hiatal hernia. This occurs when the upper part of the stomach bulges through that large muscle that separates the abdomen from the chest and helps you breathe. That's called the diaphragm. Discomfort usually starts in the left or mid-upper abdomen, and then it travels up the breastbone. Some patients, like I mentioned before, also have laryngeal pharyngeal reflex, also called LPR, and can taste, even taste the acid in their mouths. In LPR, acid goes all the way up to the throat, as I mentioned also previously, causing injury to the vocal cord and th- vocal cords, hoarseness, chronic cough, clear white phlegm, sore throat, frequent throat clearing. These are among the symptoms that you might see in someone with LPR. In severe cases like mine, the stomach acid, well, it went all the way down the windpipe, causing aspiration pneumonia. To make the diagnosis of af- acid reflux disease, the timing of the discomfort is very important. Acid reflux discomfort occurs soon after eating, but it's sometimes seen several hours after a meal. It can be differentiated from other causes of chest pain in that it gets better by drinking milk or taking acids. Many patients note improvements simply by sitting up straight. As you can imagine, these strategies wouldn't be effective treatments for, well, chest pain caused by a heart attack or a rib injury. Let's talk about gastritis. Gastritis simply means inflammation of the stomach. It relates to damage of the stomach lining caused by infection, irritation, or acid. Gastritis is most commonly caused by infection with the bacteria Helicobacter pylori, H. pylori. This is the same bacterium that's responsible, believe it or not, a bacteria is responsible for most stomach ulcers. Uh, By the way, there is a commercially available test that exists that you can diagnose whether you have H. pylori or not. Now, I wouldn't do that unless you had the signs and symptoms of gastritis. And that inc- they include a gnawing or burning in the left mid upper abdomen that may worsen or improve with eating. Uh, nausea and vomiting. Uh, fullness in the upper abdomen after eating. That's something. Besides a H. pylori infection, there are other risk factors for stomach inflammation. Regular use of certain pain relievers like ibuprofen, aspirin, things like that. These erode the stomach lining over time. Older age, older individuals have an increased risk for gastritis because of the stomach lining tends to thin with age. Excessive alcohol use, smoking, both tobacco and alcohol, alcohol, can make your stomach more vulnerable to digestive juices and cause gastritis. Stress, chronic stress and survival settings, can manifest itself in all sorts of ways that are both physical and emotional, leading to gastritis. And of course, there are other diseases and conditions like Uh, Crohn's disease, parasitic infections, things like that, injuries, burns, and severe infections. Now, another cause of pain probably related to stomach acid is called an ulcer, a peptic ulcer. Uh, These are open sores that form on the inside of the stomach lining and possibly even the upper part of the small intestine, which is called the first part after the stomach is called the duodenum, the first part of the small intestine. Ulcers can develop as an re- end result of an untreated gastritis caused by H. pylori. It can be transmitted by from person to person through contaminated food and water, so it's always important to have proper water filtration and sterilization. It seems to decrease the likelihood of H. pylori. Long-term use of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like ibuprofen, and uh, that's Advil or Motrin, aspirin or naproxen, that's Aleve, may also cause issues with ulcers. Spicy foods and stress, however, are not thought to cause a lot of peptic ulcers, although they can certainly make symptoms of existing ones more severe. The main danger with ulcers is bleeding. A bleeding uh, an ulcer can bleed slowly. It can bleed quickly. It could be life-threatening. Uh, if somebody has a very lightly bleeding ulcer, it could just have a lack of energy, fatigue, maybe an in- inability to physically exert themselves. But over time, these people are going to become anemic. They're going to appear pale. And a heavily bleeding ulcer usually causes, well, black sticky stools called melana. It reminds you of tar if you've ever seen it. Bloody vomit or vomit with the appearance of material that looks like coffee grounds is another sign that you see with people who have stomach inflammation. There are a number of lifestyle changes that can be effective strategies against acid issues, stopping the use of alcohol, caffeine, tobacco, and uh Ibuprofen, uh, aspirin, non-steroidal and anti-inflammatory drugs like that. Avoiding highly acidic fruit like oranges or tomatoes, that's important. Fatty foods also, onions, peppermint, carbonated beverages, certain teas. Before my pneumonia, I was drinking four to five cups of coffee a day and paying for it in the evening. After cutting out the caffeine, my heartburn went completely away and my throat and voice box actually are improved. Now, you might ask, why carbonated beverages? Now, besides being very acidic, they make you burp, which brings up stomach acid. Now, you might be surprised to know that Coca-Cola, its acidity is about 2.6 or 2.7. That's not much different than the acidity of stomach acid itself. That's between 1.5 and 3.5. It's actually in the same range as stomach acid. Now, another strategy would be to eat smaller meals to cause less stress on the stomach or avoiding meals altogether for several hours before bedtime. Matter of fact, I think that's a really good idea. That's what I'm doing. Uh, you should sleep with the, both the chest and head elevated about 30 to 45 degrees, doing that also. Uh, and if you're obese, you should lose some weight. Medications that are used as treatment include antibiotics for, to kill the bacteria H. pylori. Uh, test kits are available, I mentioned, over-the-counter. Uh, com- combination therapy with amoxicillin and metronidazole, uh, which are available both as veterinary equivalents for about 7 to 14 days. And adding Prilosec or peptobismol is a pretty good uh, alternative for the austere medic because these are things that you can easily stockpile, or at least at the present time, you can stockpile the antibiotics. Uh, hopefully, we'll, they'll still be available over time. Uh, one dosing option is 40 milligrams of Prilosec daily, amoxicillin 500 milligrams, three times daily, and metronidazole 400 milligrams, three times daily. So that's for about 7 to 14 days. Now there are medications that block acid production. There's a family of drug known as proton pump inhibitors. They work by blocking the action of cells that produce acid. So over-the-counter medications in this family are available for stockpiling purposes in long-term survival situations, and and Prilosec is one of them. Prevacid and Nexium are two others. Uh, Medications that reduce acid production, those are called H2 blockers, and they reduce the quantity of acid in the GI tract, and that helps soothe gastritis and acid-related pain. Uh, Examples examples include famotidine, which is pepcid, and cimetidine, which is tagamet. So you may have seen these things. These are also uh, over-the-counter. Uh, and acids that neutralize stomach acid Of course these meds don't block or reduce the production of acid But they neutralize whatever is existing in your stomach And popular brands include Tums and Rolades, Malox, Mylanta uh, Puptobismol, even Alka-Seltzer uh, Home remedies abound, honestly, for acid-related discomfort There's just a ton of, ton of them Organic apple cider vinegar, some people say To mix a tablespoon and four ounces of water Drink uh, it before every meal Uh, Low-fat milk or yogurt, 4 to 8 ounces as needed. Aloe vera juice, you may have heard of that. Mix 1 ounce and 2 ounces of water before a meal. Uh, Baking soda, mix 1 tablespoon in a glass of water. Drink right away whenever you begin to feel heartburn. That's like bicarbonate. Uh, Honey lemon tea, mix 1 teaspoon of lemon juice, which may be a little acidic, they say, but uh, it actually is, if you mix it with honey, something that has been used as a natural remedy with eight ounces of warm water. Give that a try. Uh, Glutamine, that's an amino acid found in milk and eggs that has an anti-inflammatory effect that reduces acid reflux. And some people use helichrysum tea, or some people have even used ginger, which honestly in some circumstances may actually worsen heartburn, although it does help some other types of stomach upset. It's important to remember to communicate with your patients. Many in the preparedness and homesteaded community are really rugged individualists, and they're unlikely to tell the medic about something they consider trivial, like heartburn. But anyone that's clearly in pain, losing efficiency, or unable to sleep, they should always be questioned about their symptoms. If you're going to be the medic, you should always keep a close eye on that, offer treatment and support whenever it is possible. So anyhow, we're glad to be back yes. doing our podcast. And yes. uh, we'll be doing video podcasts and more videos as Soon. well.
1: And uh, I want
0: you to <laughs> I want to do one on
1: my eye kit. Yeah, I was
0: about to say, you have a brand new eye care kit. Yeah. If, if, you ha- if you're the medic out there and you want to be complete in terms of your uh, treatment of people and having the supplies that you need, you want to have an eye care kit, you want to have a dental kit, uh, as well as first aid kits uh, yep. and supplies. Pediatric
1: so, care, or if you have
0: right. children,
1: babies, an OB, we have an OB kid, and if we you're going to have a baby. There you go, right? There, <laughs> or someone else is going to have an, a, a baby um, in perfect. an emergency situation. <laughs> so that's perfect. And also,
0: I want to tell everybody out there that we are very close to publishing <gasps> the fourth edition oh. of the Survival Medicine At Handbook. At least we
1: were productive during the pandemic.
0: Right. Well, I mean, while I was just collapsing there, I was still... <laughs> Ta- typing on the <laughs> word processor on a uh, computer. and
1: I, I duct taped his eyes open and, and hog tied <laughs> into the chair and <laughs> forced you to type, didn't I? I had to no, do, I did not I had do to that. do something.
0: I had to be productive. Even, well, it you takes know.
1: your mind off of your not feeling well. And how much effort does it really take to sit in a chair and type? Except your brain. My brain. I think I saw smoke coming out of your ears every once in a while. My brain
0: was malfunctioning, too. Everything was malfunctioning there for a while but I am back and I'm hoping to stay healthy and If
1: I have anything to say about it you will that,
0: and, <laughs> and I'm sure you are the most the biggest ner- reason the why The nurse I got will better.
1: take care of the doctor. I'm sure That's how it goes. I'm sure
0: you're the biggest reason why I got better. Ah. Now,
1: it was my homemade chicken soup. Oh, it was my chamomile tea. Mm-hmm. Tell them how often you had chamomile tea? Yeah,
0: a lot, actually. You put a, uh, uh, a bunch daily? of... You had the flowers. <laughs> but You didn't just have the tea bags. You had the f- actual flowers.
1: I got organic... Organic. Organic. Yeah, that's a new word. Organic chamomile flowers.
0: And oh, that was I really want to cool. say they
1: were hand-picked, but I don't know if they were <laughs> hand-picked. I would assume they might be hand-picked because they were just the flowers. But anyway, yes, I would make you tea every day. And what would I put in your tea? Honey. Yes, but what kind?
0: Oh, always
1: uh, say raw uh, and processed. Process, that's right, yes, and yes, local. Right. We we have um, orange blossom honey.
0: Yeah, down here we have orange blossom honey. I bought a up, gallon. Up in Tennessee, there's sourwood honey. That we, Ooh, that's good. Had I that. love that. That was really good. Mm-hmm. And just lots lots of great, good stuff, and it's uh, sort of helped me on the road to recovery. Listen, guys, uh, this is going to sound pretty strange, but do not buy the third edition because the fourth <laughs> edition is coming out. It's going to be
1: It's at the formatter. Depends on how long she's going to take to do it.
0: That's right. It's greatly expanded, revised twice the number of illustrations. Uh, all in plain English. More
1: it's, than twice. It's
0: definitely right. I think the
1: other one had a, what was it, 140 something seven.
0: yeah, something like that.
1: So more than doubled.
0: Right. So lot, lots, lots of illustrations. It's going to be a big book. How to how hard to, to call it a handbook anymore, I know. But, but since people know it Ooh. as the handbook, as the survival medicine we're handbook, we're limited will to
1: 828 pages. So we've had to make the book. 8 inches wide by 10 inches high.
0: Right. It the current is,
1: book is 6 by 9, 700 pages. So if this was a 6 by 9 book, it would it would be, I don't know, 1,200, 1,300 pages
0: right. easily. Right. Well, this is the so thing. It's basically
1: almost doubled the this size. This is a book
0: for people who are serious about being the medic for the family yep. in times of trouble. So it's all written in the mindset that a disaster has happened, the ambulance is not heading in your direction, there's no rescue helicopter on the horizon, you are the highest medical asset left, and our job is to make you effective in that role.
1: And I just want to tell everybody that, you know, we do have over 300 images, but those are also illustrations, graphics, charts. 99% of the, the images, graphics, or charts that you're going to see are all adding to the knowledge for the book. We didn't put fluff pictures in here. If you're seeing an image, it's because we're representing a disease we're talking about, an injury we're talking about. Uh, There are how-to text boxes, uh, how to make an herbal tincture, how to make an herbal tea, um, how to insert a nasal... uh, Can you? Yep. Oral airway. I mean, we just... There's so much. We really expanded the trauma sections... We redid the bleeding section. We added so much more to fractures, sprains, strains. How to dislocations. set up a chest?
0: How to set up a chest tube yes. uh, drainage system?
1: I made a picture that took me, oh gosh, probably two full days um, of how to insert a rectal rehydration tubing and how to set it up. So you have got images and how-to boxes. That are really really going to contribute to your knowledge pull it out of paragraphs and make it real one two three four five six steps so you can get her done and uh i think you're really going to like it
0: all right well i'll tell you with that rectal rehydration some of this stuff is going to sound sort of weird to the average person (laughs) but if you're in a situation where there's no ivs and a person somebody's vomiting their guts out and you need to get some fluids to that person it's a life or death
1: situation might
0: just have to be used right
1: yep it's a life or death
0: so anyhow we appreciate you listening to this actual return version <laughs> of the survival medicine podcast thank you and we hope to be doing these on a very regular basis back to normal i hope in the near future so
1: write to us anytime at dr bones at aol.com find us at our website Doom and Bloom. Dot net. Our store is store.doomandbloom.net. We have uh, Facebook, which is Survival Medicine. We have a group there. We're on MeWe.
0: MeWe. We We're also
1: have Survival Medicine.
0: Right, exactly. Group We're there. On, uh, Prepper Net on uh, Mighty Networks and a number, number of other uh, groups and social media, Twitter, at Prepper Show. So lot, lots and lots of places where you can connect with us. I hope that you have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.